welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Edmond. I'm joined, as I am every week, with the, by a man with so much chutzpah that he doesn't even have to bother learning how to spell it, Mr. Shane Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> now you seen my notes. I did see your notes. Uh, that was okay, so. How f- do you spell chutzpah? Oh, I, I, I almost googled it's either it. H-U-S-T-B-A. Just, no, it's C H. Oh, it's, well, why would it be C H and be pronounced chutzpah? And all. Oh yeah, now you're trying to figure out how to spell it. It's it's a Yiddish word. C H U T Z P A H. Okay, well that makes sense. And all, but you see, I've. That's but, one of those but words. I knew what you meant. You know, it's like um, the famous How I Met Your Mother sketch where he says Chameleon. He said, I never heard it said. I only heard, I only seen it written. Mm-hmm. This is the opposite. I never seen it written. I've only ever heard it said. Right. You should read more. Well, I, I should, <laughs> should, apparently I should read more Yiddish. <laughs> Make that my New Year's resolution. Read more Yiddish. Okay. <laughs> Just read Barbara Streisand's autobiography. You'll you'll get there pretty quickly by the first yeah. chapter. You know what? You know where I'll get after I read the first chapter of Barbara Streisand. A, in gun, a, in my, bin a, a gun in my mouth, a shotgun yeah. in my mouth, toe in the trigger guard. <laughs> I will definitely get there in a hurry. I can't. How did she end up married to James Brolin? I have no idea. How did the coolest dude in the world end up married to? The, it must be. <laughs> There's that hand signal again from a few weeks back. <laughs> Coolest dude in the world, married to the biggest shrew pain in the... <laughs> that all. But yeah, I think, I think the hand signal says it all. Okay, let's talk about what we're going to smoke today. <laughs> it's going to be one of those kind of shows this week, I think. So my shut the box come in. Actually, you got one too. I did. And I cho- chose to get... The console, the Robusto, four and a half by fifty-two. Which, or well, actually, this is the grand console. This is four and three quarters by sixty. Mm-hmm. And I like, I like a short, fat cigar. There's times in my life that that's the perfect size smoke for me. Yeah, you know, it's funny when Nub first hit the market. You know, they kind of cornered the market. They were the first to go into that sixty ring gauge and larger at that. You know, three and a half to five inch cigar, and. They didn't, re- I mean, they're still around. You can still find but they never really quite took off like I think they were expecting. But, you know, it's a great size for a cigar. Now, I don't personally like anything that big a ring gauge, so I tend to stay away from for that reason. But it's a great cigar. Well, the nub had quality issues. Yeah. I mean, we'll just, the, the problem with nubs had nothing to do with size and everything to do with quality, quality control. Mm-hmm. You could grab one and it'd be great, and you could grab one and it could blow up like a stick of dynamite. Mm-hmm. That's just that was Nub's problem. But the Hoya Antonio 1970 is a Criollo wrapper with Nicaraguan binders and fillers. So very, very. I've had this cigar a bunch. I smoke it while I'm deer hunting. This is one of my deer hunting cigars of choice. I look forward to having this because this will be perfect in the morning right after I kill the deer while I'm waiting on everybody else to surrender to the inevitable and fail and right you know because and my tr- skill was so far right. ahead of theirs and walk back to the camp with their tail between their De- legs dejected head yeah. hanging low you know yeah just the usual stuff just, just barrel pr- in the mouth toe in the trigger <laughs> same, same thing <laughs> <laughs> and all but anyway so I'm very much looking forward to it you really do happy. have to get rid of that rule at your hunting trips that the last person to shoot the deer doesn't get to come back to their family <laughs> <laughs> Well, it keeps them from letting too many walk. <laughs> no, they just 
you know, AJ had one roll under the toolbox. So like, I never found it last year. <laughs> I got to get him to shoot a little bigger deer. <laughs> but anyway. It's a squirrel he super glued antlers onto. <laughs> so let me tell you about your cigar. This is an all Drew Estate episode. Well, it's funny. We did not plan to both be smoking an Antonio. Mm-mm. And Anna, do you have the recipe, the flavor, anything like that up on yours? I do. So go ahead and give it the specifics, and then I'm going to make it sing. All right. So this is the Hoya de Nicaragua Antonio Dark Corojo. It's got a Nicaraguan Corojo Oscuro wrapper with Nicaraguan binders and fillers. The, according to Drew Estate's website, or Hoya's website, um, on the strength scale, it gets a 6 out of 5. So here's the thing. I had three of those that sat in my humidor for probably five years. And I, and I bragged about smoking one about three weeks ago on the show, how it tasted just like old whiskey. That it had aged so well, I wanted to run out and buy a box and lock it away for five years. And our three years, ever how many years it was. Right. It had been years plural. Right. I'll put it that way. I don't have a time. Long running. enough that you weren't keeping track. Yeah. Yeah. Years plural. And... It tasted like old whiskey. It was perfect. So the other night, I said, I got two more of them. And I whipped the second one out, and I sat down, and I smoked it, and it was good. But it didn't have, it's, it's almost like it didn't have that extra fermented taste. Okay. And uh, so I wonder if the first one I had still had some live culture in it or what was going on with that. And I said, well, I've got to smoke the tiebreaker. And I said, no, I trust Trace Palette. I put a lot of faith in your palate well, here. I so appreciate this, that. That's this is high a, praise. This is a high-pressure situation. It is. Um, so I, I, I didn't want you to even unwrap it till I had a chance to tell the story. So I need to know when you unwrap it and get a good nostril full, what yeah. do you smell? No, I am I am really appreciative that, that you trusted me with this because you were t- talking about it the other day, and I just... I, I almost went out and bought a box just to, you know, to try and find a box to sit on. Now, did all three of these come from the same box yeah okay because i was wondering if that might have had something to do with the um i mean this this oscuro wrapper is just gorgeous well and they all were freebies they all were given to me yeah that i get that old whiskey have you are you getting the old whiskey out of it yeah oh my gosh dude well good i'm glad and I'm, I'm glad I, I went for coffee this afternoon. This is going to pair very, very nicely. Well, that's a good cigar. And that's an underutilized cigar in my life. I probably should get more of those and age some and smoke some. Do they still make the Dark Rojo? i got to think they do. And I mean, it's have... on their website, so I'm sure they do. That's I'm, usually... I'm... Yeah, I'm sure they do. But while you light up that little work art, let's talk about something fun. From the New York Times. Now, how many times have I sat down... And said from the New York Times in Arco, how's the cold draw? Amazing. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad. I will, I will did get it, a did I shave that appropriately for you this uh, week? It's a little crooked. Well, I mean, you yeah. could you could square that up just well, a I little bit. Well, I slept in my contacts last night. So. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you could square that up just a little no. bit in the future and be a little nicer to the cigar. Check that out, man. You, of... you could use that to plumb levels. Yeah. <laughs> That I haven't got the bird yet, folks, but I'm sure he's working up to one. No, I was showing you that. Do you oh. see those? There's a couple of holes in the wrapper. Huh. Luckily, it's right at the head of the cigar, so I'll be able to cover it with my lips. Huh. Interesting. Or well, they've been, they've been moved. Those, those have probably been moved in and out of four humidors. Yeah. 
So they've probably been handled an ample amount of times. Luckily, it's just those right there, so I shouldn't. I'm not expecting any draw issues. Another reason why that guy drove around this building three times before he pulled into a parking spot. He's part Labrador. Is he? <laughs> I guess so. He's either part Labrador. Or he's planning to rob the place. Whichever way it goes, just let me know. But. So, from the New York Times, ready to roll Zimbabwe cigar venture eyes smokers at home and abroad. Now, that's a pretty generic title and all, but um, Harare, a, a newly established Zimbabwean company, has started making cigars for export. So, Mosiawea Tania, a local name for Victoria Falls, which means smoke that thunders, is the first firm to make cigars in the southern African nation. African tobacco. I love Cameroon. Cameroon, but now Cameroon is not necessarily grown in Africa. Cameroon originated in Africa. Right. But there are some cigars that actually use African grown Cameroon. You know, I've smoked a lot of cigars that were Cameroon that were actually grown. You know, the Cameroon seed came from Africa, was grown in Nicaragua. Mm. I've had that happen on a number of occasions. But this is, I, see, it doesn't use, he never in this article, I've read the whole article a couple of times, never mentions Cameroon, so he just says South African tobacco. So I wonder if there's something a little special going on oh, there. Oh, I'm sure. I'm, there's, and it could be one of those things where it's, it's just generic tobacco. So, you know, it may not, I'm sure, obviously it has a classification or a species or whatever, but it may not be anything significant enough. It's just the mud of the tobacco world. <laughs> Is that what you're in? Are well, you insinuating like, that? No, no. I'm saying it's kind of like the difference between, I mean, and cigars don't necessarily get into this, um, but, you know, not all sparkling wine is champagne kind of thing. Sure. Not all, not all bourbon is, not all whiskey is bourbon, but all bourbon is whiskey. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, can under, I can understand that. Yeah, and it has to do with regionality and that sort of thing. So. Okay, so I got to stop the show and ask a question. Every time we do the show, Sean comes by and cleans. Do you think he's trying to project to the audience that this place is always clean and spick and span and I just spotless? think he wants to pr- produce just this, this air of activity around us, that it, it, we're they, in the hustle I mean, and bustle. I, I appreciate his contributions to the show and to the cleanliness of our ashtrays and every day. And I guarantee day. you he will be back to clean the ashtray before we are done recording. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> He, he's like the cabin attendant there on the cruise ship. I got up one night to go to the bathroom. Come back, he'd made the bed. At least you get an extra chocolate mint on your pillow. Oh, no, they discontinued the chocolate no, mints, which, which was a huge tragedy in my life. So Sean's going to come back a few minutes and hand us two chocolate mints. But anyway, so this is, it's an interesting article that they're starting to expand out and grow tobacco because I believe this is a product of irrigation. I believe that, you know, tobacco likes a lot of water at the front, very little water at the back end. Mm-hmm. And I think now that Africa has the irrigation, you're going to start seeing more arid places start growing tobacco because they can water the far out of it when they're getting it started, and then they can let it just have right. as, as little as they need toward the backside of it. Mm-hmm. No, but it, it looks, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited. I hope, I hope these do make it stateside. Um, apparently, Zimbabwe is famed for its tobacco. I was not uh, aware of that. Most of it finds its way to China and Europe, so it may be um, why we don't see a whole lot of it. Could be, could, you know, shipping costs being what they are. Mm-hmm. Since March, an all-woman staff has been undergoing the job of training in the art of cigar rolling, by, rolling cigars by hand. 
with each worker producing 256 cigars a day. Okay, hold on. Let's talk about that. March? Yeah. March, it's now June. Mm-hmm. And also April, May, June, three months to get up to 256 cigars a day. That's that's stout, man. That's yeah. some, that that's some cigar rolling aptitude being put to work. I'm just gonna yeah. tell you, I don't I don't know how long it would take if I said, okay, I'm going to, you know, if, if I went down and said, hey Pedro, I want to sit at a bench and I ain't leaving here till I make 256 cigars a day. Well, he'll say I only let my guys roll 200 a day anyway. So true. But <laughs> I, I don't think I could hit 200 in, thir- I, I, in three months. I, I don't think I could either. And even if I did, I don't think any of them would be smokable. Yeah. So, uh, fame for its tobacco. Um, so, the other there, there was an article other than this about another African cigar company we hit earlier this year. Now, suffice it to say, all I want to say is this is not the same. Right. This is not the same article. So, now that we have two cigar producers firing up in Africa. Uh, Bungani. Yeah, Bungani. was the one we talked about, yeah. And I'll, you know, sure, I get, it means smokes like thunder, and you get Bungani. I don't know how that works. But I, I really do love the name of this cigar company. You know, when you have, uh, when you have Victoria Falls right there, and it, it just happens to relate to smoking, and it's, tr- I just, that's, I just see it's a perfect. It's a perfect match for what he's doing. Yeah, and it's you know because that was one of my. I've always um, talked about going to Africa on a hunt, and we've got a buddy that actually does that. It would be nice to know I didn't have to bring my own cigars. That there was perhaps a cigar company there that while yeah. I'm sitting because I don't drink as much, you know, very little. So at the end of the night, after I've killed my buffalo and I'm waiting on the other guys to catch up to camp after after a failed hunt, and after I've killed my buffalo, I would like to be able to have a cigar and not have to tote one halfway across the world to smoke it. Right. But anyway. Although, uh, how good would that cigar be? Oh, yeah. It'd be pretty awesome. Have it, But I, I think it would get seized at customs. Oh, I'm sure. There, there would be something. Yeah, it counts as uh, agricultural product, doesn't it? Well, I think what you, what I would have to do would be ship them ahead of time, and have them waiting on me when I got to the game range. Mm-hmm. I think that's. The, I don't think there's any scenario in which I carry those with me, and they make it to Africa. Um, okay, so let's talk about something a little closer to home. Drew Estate adds Deadwood Leather Rose. So the Deadwood Tobacco. Um, just a quick primer for everybody who um, who hasn't isn't as familiar with the Deadwood Tobacco. These are flavored cigars, and they were originally only sold at the Deadwood Tobacco Company in is it South Dakota. Yes, in South Dakota, where they have the rally, which, by the way, is going on in spite of stir, in spite of COVID. Thank you. Finally, somebody with some common sense um, at the at the Deadwood Rally. And they were Crazy Alice, Fat Bottom, Betty, and Sweet Jane, and they were named after legendary ladies at the Sturgis Rally. Well, the Leather Rose is also <laughs> named after a famous lady. I, I, okay, Sweet Jane, I can kind of conjure up a, a picture in my head of what that looks like. Crazy Alice, oh yeah, I've, I've probably known her. Fat Bottom Betty, that's, that's pretty easy to draw. I, I just can't conjure up a picture of Leather Rose. I'm guessing she's German. I, I'm thinking old. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely heading toward old. Oh, you're you're thinking of more of a. <laughs> <laughs> you were going a completely different route there than I was. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying I can't conjure up that image in my head 
<laughs> real well you're, without it going in a bad place. Well, yeah, you're, well, you're, it sounds like you're thinking about someone who's lived in the sun in South Dakota her whole life, and now she's about eighty, and that skin could make a nice suitcase. So, something <laughs> along those lines. And I, I was also, going with a different concept of leather altogether. The cigar is a five by fifty-four torpedo. It's going to be offered in twenty-four count boxes, and just like the other ones, they don't disclose the blend. So. The other three, I gotta say, they're all the same blend. I've smoked all three of them. I gotta believe they're all the same blend. Yeah. And all it's they're good. And I've even had the Sweet Jane A that you can only buy there at the store. My parents were there a couple of years ago, and I had them stop by and pick me up a couple of them. It tastes just like whiskey. Is it, it, tastes is it just that, like that, that old, old that Antonio old smoked? With that's, I this is this is impressive. Oh, cool! I'm, gl- I'm glad that it worked out. So, I, so now we got to buy a whole. We're going to have to get a whole box of those and lock it away for a couple of years because uh, that flavor, that first one I had, was just so amazing. So, do you think we'll come back to the desert rose here or leather rose here in a minute? Um, do you? What do you think caused that? Because that's almost an. Does it taste almost like an active culture? I guess that's what whiskey. Which whiskey stabilized, obviously, if it kept fermenting, it'd explode the bottles. Yeah. But um, what do you think caused Well, no, because whiskey, there's, there's nothing active fermenting in whiskey. The, it gets its flavor from the age, uh, from the barrel that it's aged in. Because um, once it's distilled, it kills any sure. yeast that's still. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that might be coming from. I'm. Well, now, and so... They have set for the past, since I got that new humidor, um, they have set in literally the farthest corner from humidification that they could. Yeah. So they've thereby been subjected to the least amount of humidity change of any cigar in that humidor. Right. So it's that's been stable. Pro- yeah, that's probably created an environment for fermentation. I'll have, I've got some other stuff laying up there in that corner. I wonder if that'll be like the Elmer T. <laughs> Elmer T. Bourbon, if that's going to be something. Yeah, that's that thing is that. This is incredible. Well, cool. I'm glad. I'm glad it's working for you. And uh, then the Antonio is just good cigar. I mean, this and this one I'm smoking the 1970 or 1870 is just a great cigar. But anyway, so the Deadwood Tobacco Company they're going to release a new size. I hope they release a new blend. It's time for them. This is the only flavored cigar I'll smoke, and I will say 80% of guys will say that. Yeah. And uh, Glenda smoked them for a long time. She really liked them, and we had to keep up with them. But um, just really the only one that I'll smoke. All right. So let's talk Let's talk about the dummies. All right. And uh, we're going to talk about the dummies before we go to break. That way we can cleanse our palate during it. We debated whether or not we were even going to do this article, whether or not these idiots even deserve um, the attention. You know, and and, and we've talked about Jassum Crawl since they, you know, came out with the CBD cigar a couple years ago, year and a half ago, something Mm -hmm. like that. And we were not terribly favorable on them anyway. And now they have come out with a new cigar called F the FDA. Only they didn't censor it. Sure. Um, and I have it on good authority that the band on the cigar is going to have a big middle finger icon on it as well. Um, you know, it, the, they're com- they come in bundles of 20, it looks like. 
and maybe those are bundles of 10. I can't tell. Bundles of 10, yeah. Um, and it looks like it's wrapped up in the wrapper they used looks like the regulation itself. Right. Listen, we are having a hard enough time fighting this as it is. And a lot of fighting legislation is optics. That's what politics is. Politics has nothing to do with what you do or how well you do it. It has everything to do with how it's perceived and who who you do it with. Right. So when you come out so boldly with first lumping us in with CBD and vape. Right. With first undermining our argument. So first they undermine our argument. And now they come out so aggressive and petulant that they are not forwarding the cause. Well, they're they're regressing the cause, and they're doing it just for profit. And so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know why you should never light a Jack Sumcrawl or smoke a Jack Sumcrawl cigar. He thinks this appeals to his customers. And the worst part is, he's right. So one of the things that, and and I'm going to get a little self-referential here, but if you want to know... If you want to know what this guy is all about. So Half Wheel uh, posted this article, and they posted it to Facebook, and um, just kind of talking about it. And a couple of people were talking about how I don't think this is a real good look. Um, So someone I have a tremendous amount of respect for is a guy named Lee Moore. He runs In Fuego Tobacco in Rockwall, Texas, right outside of, of Dallas. Um, he, his brother runs the one in Frisco, just north of Texas, and his dad uh, runs the one out a little bit further away. So they've got three stores. I think they're about to open a fourth. These guys have been doing it since 2005. They know their client. They know the environment. They are honest, hardworking, some of the Best if you're trying to get into the industry and you want to you want to know who's who to emulate. It's it's this family. That's how much respect I have for these guys. So he responds to the half wheel article and says, you know, I've got a lot of problems with this branding. It it's an embarrassment, as some other guy that was also commenting put it. Now, you guys may remember us talking about Infuego cigars and the Moors a couple of months ago because they actually won a lawsuit in Texas over FDA stuff. So this is a family who I have a lot of respect for. They know what they're doing and they have a track record of, of success in, in getting around FDA legislation. And if he thinks it's a bad idea, I'm, I'm, I'm likely to, um, I'm likely to agree with him. So wrist Riatevsky, which is the guy who owns Jassum crawl, responds to this and he says that guy we mentioned earlier isn't a fan of me after I told him I'd knock his teeth out when he said that he would burn the American flag as art two years ago as I replied I'd knock your teeth out for art also if you did he was a fan until that point Um, okay so you've got a guy who truly believes that the answer to somebody disagreeing with him is violence for violence's sake who's proven that he doesn't understand marketing to further a cause. Uh, This is not somebody I want to support with my dollar. This is not somebody I think represents us as an industry well, and I will slap a Jassum Crawls out of someone's hand if I ever see it. 
yeah, I, I, you will, know. I will gladly pay to replace it with a cigar, but I, I can't abide this type of person representing us as an industry. Well, he's it's deplorable. It's just a deplorable human being who got in the cigar business, and this is... This is the bad cop. This is the bad politician. This is the bad. This is the bad cigar owner. This is the guy who joined a fraternity in college and never left. If that makes sense, um, this is a guy who probably still thinks Family Guy is funny. This is, and I'm painting with broad strokes here, but I, I, I could, I just, yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't think this is the kind of kind of thing we need representing us in the industry. Well, I think we've adequately, you know, I mean, I just, who is the person that wants this cigar? I don't know a single person, well, I know one person in this shop that would buy this cigar and all, and he would just buy it because he's he's that guy. He's that, yeah. you know, never grew up type guy. He's, yeah. guy. he's a guy that'll have a stripper, you know, or something like that. So he's the only one I know that would buy one of these. Mm-hmm. And also, I just, I mean, come on, folks. This is a gentleman's pursuit. Can yeah. we can we not hold ourselves to a standard where we enjoy it as gentlemen? Must it get into profanity? And, and here's the deal about the CBD cigar. If you keep creating a culture where people think drugs are the answer, you're going to have drug problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, where if you think that, oh, a drop of CBD helps me sleep at night, or, oh, a drop of CBD makes my aches and pains go away, or, oh, the, or, oh this, this medicine here will increase my attention span, or this, if the only place you go to look for answers is the bottom of a pill bottle, then you've probably got much bigger problems than what those pills are going to solve. Fair enough. And I'll say, okay, let's take a break. We'll cool down. We'll come back and talk about some fun stuff. But I, I did we I did have feel our moral obligation to re, to say something about what an idiot this guy is. All right. Well, we'll be back with more after this. Trey here with this week's cigar under eight. Want to talk about La Gloria Cubana Serie R? This is a cigar that came out, I want to say, probably around 2006 or seven. Um, it's been on the market for a while, so much that you probably have walked by it. But this is an amazingly smooth, full-bodied cigar. Yeah, this is a great cigar that that falls into that workhorse variety. You can always smoke this cigar and just enjoy it. Um, it's never going to break the bank. It's never going to blow your mind, but it's always going to be a good smoke. Yeah, they offer it in two different varieties, either an Ecuadorian-grown Colorado shade wrapper, which is their natural, or Connecticut broadleaf Maduro, which is Maduro, um, over a Mexican, Dominican, Brazilian, and Nicaraguan filler. So it's got a little taste of everywhere. Got a lot going on in it, but they blend it really well. All of their, you know, it's it's not incre- to have that many ingredients. It's not incredibly complex. No, it's not, uh, and it is full bodied, but you get a lot of flavor, not just body. Um, and it, if you're someone like Shane who prefers the bigger ring gauge cigars, this is one for you. Uh, I think the smallest ring gauge they do is a fifty six. But yeah. they, so um, so it really tailors to that market. So definitely, until next week, smoke the La Gloria Cubana Serie R.
Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man that don't want no yard sale glockenspiels, Mr. Trey Dedman. <laughs> I've never been bore witness to a stroke before. That was phenomenal. <laughs> It's just so everybody knows, I had to I had to do two takes on that because my brain just stopped working when he we, pushed the button. I pushed record and like five seconds of nothing came out. It was a miracle. That, well, the bad part was I was trying. <laughs> that is the bad part. But no, last week, everybody, I'm out doing my yard selling, and I come across the first time I've ever seen a Glockenspiel at a yard sale. Now, if you come across a Glockenspiel at a yard sale, who's the only person you could possibly think of that would want it? And that was Trey. And I text him, and his answer is, did you find this at a yard sale? No, I'm at Bed Bath & Glockenspiels. Of course I found it at a yard sale. I Where heard they filed you... for bankruptcy. <laughs> oh, okay. Where else would you think I would find a Glockenspiel? <laughs> and I'll, I mean, in the history of unromantic instruments, you are king. Accordions and all of the other, you know banjos and all the things that will absolutely positively nobody's ever been sitting around a campfire late at night with a girl that was way out of their league and whipped out a glockenspiel <laughs> and got anywhere <laughs> so I, I, as the king of the musical instruments that won't get you laid i thought you would be more interested in the glockenspiel you know i i'll i'll take that i will wear that crown I, I am fine being the king of the unattractive instruments. It clearly has not hindered me in any way. Because I'm way out of my league right now. Oh, well, I sure. completely outkick my coverage. Sure. And I'll, but, you know, she, she, you do have some redeeming qualities. And also, <laughs> there's a, there, there's a, a hand different hand <laughs> signal. <laughs> you ordered a foot-long sub at Subway? <laughs> Is that what that was? But... Anyway, so the Antonio is just as good as I remember it. I love this size. I feel like I get the full complexity out of the four and a half or four and three quarter by 60. I just like everything about the way this cigar is put together. And Alan, you've been raving about the dark the uh-huh. whole. This is, this is so good. It's drawing perfectly. That it, it's almost, it's transitioning a little bit into more of like an old leather bag. But one that's been well taken care of, like a like an or like a saddle, like right? A, a lot of well, mink's foot oil. Yeah, I mean, it's just. I mean, it looks like it to start, but I mean, it's. I'm just. I'm walking past it. Just leave me alone. And it, it, it's. Yeah, I just. I'm. I'm thrilled with this. I, w- I would like to see that cigar aficionado with that in their description. Tastes like mink's foot oil. So is it somebody named Minks that created a foot oil? Or my uncle uses it on our gun cases, and all. I was there, and I had a leather gun case I'd bought it surprisingly a yard sale, and it had not surprising. <laughs> it had never. It was a beautiful, beautiful leather. If they case. sold houses at yard sales, that's how you would have found the place you live. That's how I would have been living there. But it, um, this old gun case. It was his father's. His father had passed away. It had been sitting in his closet forever. And I've got this thing about owning dead man's items. You know, I told you I, I have. I do too, but it's the opposite thing. I don't <laughs> want to. Oh no, man! I've, I've got two fishing poles that are dead man's rods. They're imbued with the spirit of a long dead fisherman, and I have a blast fishing with them. And you find me an old rifle case. You say, "Yeah, that was Daddy's," and you know, he's been gone now for this many. Oh, it's going home with me. 
that aisle. I just I, I want all the ghosts that I can collect. <laughs> I want it to look like the end of Ghostbusters when the machine blows up at my house. But anyway, and they're all. You go to bed at night. They all come out. They smoke your cigars sitting around the garage. <laughs> that's right. Well, I'd go out and join them. I mm-hmm. mean, but um, I was at my uncle's house and I said, "Hey, I, I need to retreat this leather." He said, "I got just the thing," and I had never seen Mink's foot oil until then. But I've got to find out, is it somebody named Minx that made a foot oil, or is it the oil off of a Minx foot, or is it mink oil and they just happened, it was originally intended to be used on feet, but worked so well on leather they gave up on doing it on feet? I, I, don't, I want to know. <laughs> you have nothing to contribute. I know. I'm t- well, I, I'm, I'm fighting the urge to be uh ap- academic about this and i'm trying i'm trying to feed you is what what's happening but it's not working very well okay well then let's Cause I, talk cuz all i all i can picture in my head is someone that's killed a mink and is just sitting there milking the toes <laughs> to get the oil out <laughs> no you grind them up and you press the oil out come on trey <laughs> But let's be scientific about this. <laughs> you know, just like Bugs Bunny used to have the little wash ringer, and you knew as soon as he brought the wash ringer out, somebody was going through it. Yeah. You know, that, that's how you get mink's foot oil. You stick the mink through the wash ringer. But anyway, okay. Cigar Dave Show to end terrestrial radio distribution. Now, you've never listened to Cigar Dave. Never have. Never um, never tried. So when I first got into cigars, as I've talked about before, I was in college. And so that resulted in me driving back and forth between Waco and home quite a bit. And so I had, this was right around when Sirius XM radio had come out, giving away my age a little bit. And so I, I had a little unit in my car and, and I, the, the talk radio stations on the weekends would play, would air his show. And that's how I first found out about him back in about 2005, six um, and I really enjoyed it. So what's the vibe? Um, a little pretentious. Um, but keep in mind also that I haven't listened to it in a number of years, probably 10 years. Because uh, they took it off of satellite radio. Or at least I just lost track of it. I'm not sure. Um, it never aired terrestrially anywhere around here. So it was one of those things where I didn't have the opportunity to kind of form a listenership with it. Um, it was a little on the pretentious side, but like so many things with cigars that are aired on conservative talk radio, I mean, you can't really avoid that. Um, but it was it was really well done. He's been he's been doing it for twenty five years. Well, and so he switched to a podcast format. I don't know if we should be advertising somebody else's podcast, but hey, we do one a week, folks. Give us an hour. Then give Dave whatever you got yeah. left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. he's, he's going to do a, a two-hour weekly, um, and I'll check it out. Well, so it, I think this is a indicator. You know, we're we're living in the time and the death of terrestrial radio. Mm-hmm. I think terrestrial radio will be gone in our lifetime. And if Intercom is any example, they're going to do it at their own hand. Oh yeah, they they've been shooting themselves in the foot regularly. You know, yeah. the the whole Kevin and Bean thing. Yeah. And that's just the way radio has been run. I don't know how radio started being run by the worst people. You never hear anybody say, ah, that was a great dude. He worked in radio, and he was outstanding. It's always that son of a... You know what's funny is there was a guy named Kevin Weatherly, and he was the um, program director for Kevin and Bean and for K-Rock for 20-something years. 
and he left about a month before they gave the the morning show the axe and every, everybody in radio has said nothing but good things about it. so apparently there's at least one okay well, but as I'm, soon as he left it all went to hell in a handcart but you know and it makes sense okay why would i have a week if they came called and said shame we want you and try to do a weekly radio show about cigars we'd probably say yes just because we enjoy doing it but if I had the industry behind me, if we had 150,000 listeners of a podcast... And 25 years worth of archive footage, so yeah, to speak. If I could, you know, why keep paying the radio stations? Why keep paying the middlemen? Mm-hmm. And, all? and I think that's what he's doing with this podcast, is he's just cutting out the middlemen so he can make some real cash. Well, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, he gets to control his own advertising. He gets to control... You know, and I'm, I'm sure there there has to be something about, like I said, I haven't listened in a while, but I know with the, the ban on tobacco advertising, I imagine it's got to be very hard for him to get advertisers to a show other than like LifeLock and Squarespace and the people that are advertising the podcast anyway. So right. he's already got the relationship and the partnership. Yeah. Cut out Viacom or Intercom or CBS Radio or iHeartMedia, whoever it is. Yeah, makes a, makes a lot of sense. So we wish him the best. I, I will probably tune in and listen to at least one of his podcasts yeah. at some point just to see. Cause we did, and we did go Saturday night. We did get to go see Adam Carolla. We did. And I forgot how good his show is when you're totally engaged. Because usually when I'm listening to it, I'm doing something else. Yeah. And no, I, um, I, I had a... A much better time than I was expecting, honestly, and because I haven't listened to the show in a while. But I think part of it comes from the fact that most of the time when I'm listening to a podcast, I'm working or driving or something. I'm not really able to fully engage with it. Um, this was it was a lot of fun. I will say about Cigar Dave show, they do currently do a podcast version of his terrestrial radio show that gets put out every week. So I am going to listen to one of his last, you know, over the air broadcast before switching over to hearing how it sounds on the because I want to know I want to be able to see what he changes and kind of how it changes the vibe because that type of thing is exciting and interesting to me yeah you you like you like the behind the scenes but okay so last week we talked about Father's Day gifts I'm, I'm totally shifting gears without a clutch here we're just gonna up and shift gears last week we talked about Father's Day gifts and then on our way to the podcast the other night, you told me a story about some ribs that were cooked at your um, in-law's place. And it got me to thinking about the manly art of grilling. Okay. Uh, of smoking meat, of grilling steaks, of, of doing all of those things for Father's Day. And uh, what is, what's the, let me start it out easy for you. What's the simplest grilling technique that everybody could master that they could lay down in front of their father this Father's Day? So you're saying something like if if they're going to give the gift of cooking, what's the right? The if, first? They, if they said, "Hey, Dad, I want to. I'm going to grill for you this weekend. He's coming over to the house, and all. He don't. You know, he doesn't have all of his tools there. You remember him growing up grilling? Yeah. Things like that. And okay, Dad, I'm going to grill for you. What's the what's the not the can't miss? And if okay. you, if you suggest fish, we're done here. No, here's what you do. I, I'm 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 not gonna approach the dish itself yet, because because there's there's one piece that you have to start out with, and it'll make everything else so much better as a result of it. So you start with a charcoal grill, 
It's got to be charcoal. And then you buy one of those, you know, two-quart big things of lighter fluid and throw it the F away. Use an electric starter or a charcoal chimney starter. Never, ever use lighter fluid. Always use charcoal and use some method of ignition that doesn't require... Oh, and the chimneys are so easy. The chimney is the best thing ever. Yeah, it's it's all I use. It requires no accelerant, it, uh, two pieces of newsprint, and all the charcoal you can muster, and it's perfect every single time. Um, it, the, the lighter fluid industry could go under tomorrow, and I wouldn't shed a tear. There's no reason for it to exist anymore. Yeah, nothing says amateur like the, the post-explosion smell of lighter fluid and yeah. eyebrows. Especially, oh my gosh. So I, we were over at my grandmother's for Mother's Day. And my mom was there and, and my sister and her family were all, and we were doing burgers. And, and I kind of became the de facto grill master that day. They don't have an electric starter. Didn't have a charcoal, uh, a chimney. All she had was lighter fluid. And my mom is one of those people that will spend an extra 300% on anything that says all natural on it. She's one of those. <laughs> and I, so she gets the all natural uh, lighter fluid. <laughs> this stuff smelled like pure grain alcohol. It probably was pure grain alcohol, but... It wouldn't get hot enough to actually ignite the coal, so I probably used half a quart of this um, lighter fluid to just barely get the coals ignited, and it had such an acrid, awful smell. We had to go inside while the charcoal... (laughs) Holy cow. Okay, so so step one, no lighter fluid. No lighter fluid, and And always charcoal. And I will agree, I love my Traeger. But nothing replaces charcoal Mm. at all. There is time and place for charcoal. I do have a charcoal grill that I picked up at a yard sale. (laughs) You know, seen a pattern, folks. (laughs) That I picked up at a yard sale, and I I got it specifically for this reason. So that because occasionally it's a Saturday afternoon, and let me tell you something, cigar smokers. Here's what you do: get you a really nice cigar, and. As soon as you get the chimney lit and the charcoal gets start graying, when you dump it in, light your cigar. And don't touch it till the cigar is gone. Because everybody grills on charcoal about, they, they finish up about when the charcoal is ready to start. Yeah. Plan an hour. Yeah. No, the, the, the number of times I see people grill on charcoal that's way too hot. Now, see, I'm, I've got the benefit of having a green egg, which allows me to play with the charcoal and kind of make it ready regardless of what it wants to right, do. Right, you can control the airflow superiorly. Yeah, yeah. so stepping away from, from that and kind of getting on to if, if you really want definitely not fish um, because that requires a certain amount of skill to keep it from sticking to the grate. Yeah. Um, or you have to cook it on something, which defeats the purpose of grilling it in the first place. 98% of fish cooked on a grill in this country is overcooked. Yeah. And I, and I would say at least 50% of pork. Yeah. Um, and, and I've been guilty of that myself. And people are so afraid of pork. Do you know when the last time there was a case of trichinosis in the United States? It was 1971. Yes, you need to cook pork through, but you don't need to turn it into leather. 
unless you plan on taking it up to an internal temp of 195 degrees. And now you got barbecue. Uh, that's a so different story altogether. It's get a meat thermometer. You can purchase a, a number of them very inexpensively. And and here's the one to buy. Uh, Thermapro, they not a sponsor of the show. Um, they make one. So okay, depending on your budget, you Thermapin is the best on the market. It's a hundred bucks. It's an instant read thermometer, digital. Um, it it will give you the precise internal temp in about a half a second. The Thermapro. You want to look for the one specifically that says thermocouple. The the actual probe is on a hinge. It's got a magnet. Keep it on the fridge, um, or even stick it to the side of your grill. You're fine. Um, it's a it's at twenty bucks, so it's a little bit less expensive than the thermopin. It takes about five seconds, but you want to look specifically for for a meat thermometer that says um, thermocouple that uses that as the the measuring device. Okay, and I because. And no, it doesn't make you an amateur or anything like that to use a meat thermometer. The best chefs in the world still use meat thermometers. Oh, yeah. Do it. Because here's the thing. The meat is going to continue cooking after it's off the grill. It's actually going to still raise temperature after it's off the grill. Yeah, it's it's called carryover. Right. And so you want to actually pull your meat about three to four degrees early so that the carryover takes it to to where it needs to be. Uh, if, if you hit the number, you're too late. For that reason, I'm going to say stay away from chicken. If you're an amateur griller, chicken is one of those that's because everyone's so afraid of salmonella that it, most people overcook it. And on a grill, especially if you're dealing with like chicken breast or something like that where you've got a small end and a fat end, it, it's, it takes a little bit of skill to kind of get there. The inconsistency of the chicken fillet yeah. is always going to be an issue. Plus... I much rather prefer dark meat over white meat in my chicken. So I'm usually cooking chicken leg quarters, thighs and legs. Yeah. Now that's even more, um, you know. It's more It's more of a time constraint. It's It's more tricky, all that stuff. So. Have, you, have you sent your wife to the butcher yet and said, hey, when you go in, ask the butcher that you only want the front legs? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> you, you, order, you order, because the, cause it takes them a little while to catch on to that one. No, my wife would see right through that. <laughs> she she would pitch her chicken she, in her brain. No, yeah, she she wouldn't even have half a second before she called me out on that stuff. Oh, okay. No, she's okay. Well, so not so. I guess we got to go beef. Yeah, it's what's her dinner. See, and the thing is, with especially if you're using a meat thermometer, it's really easy if you've got people in your family who prefer rare, uh, medium, wrong, whatever. However, they like their steak. You can make it happen. Um, you know, burgers are always safe. Steak is always safe. Well, and here's the thing. If the if you have really nice ribeyes and they ask for it well done, just go back to the store and buy a $2 a pound flank steak. Don't ruin a ribeye. Yeah. And um, steak is not meant to be well done. And my preference for the grill, honestly, is a New York strip. It's got a nice little bit of fat right on the edge that kind of keeps some moisture in the meat. Uh, it's got enough meat that whether you like that kind of flavor or you like something a little bit leaner, you, you still get full on it, and it doesn't usually break the bank. Yeah, the New York strip's a pretty good cut. You know, ribeyes, to me, ribeyes the king of meat. But the, if I'm good, fixing for the family and I don't want to spend, you know, nine ninety seven a pound, yeah. 
then the New York strip becomes a very valid option. And I recognize the ribeye as being a great piece of meat, but at the same time, I like leaner cuts of meat. I don't like all the fat on a ribeye. Um, so I, I just don't like the, the texture. So for me, I kind of avoid it, but I recognize that it is a superior cut. Oh, yeah. So in summary, charcoal grill, meat thermometer, red meat. One cigar, red meat. Yeah. This is the recipe for how you cook for that. Mm-hmm. And, all, and, and your side dishes can be anything. The side dishes really are just second fiddle to the meat. And then I will put this caveat. If let's say that your dad is the kind of guy who really appreciates the art of grilling, the act of grilling. So you don't necessarily want to take that away from him. Here's what you do for Father's Day. You come over early. You bring him a bottle of whatever he likes to drink and two cigars, and you buy the meat, buy a pork shoulder, and say, here you go, Dad, and we're going to leave you alone. And let him just sit there while that shoulder smokes all day. <laughs> just sit there and drink and smoke. And hint, hint. <laughs> so that's all, that's all you have to do. But uh, if, if anyone that happens to be related to Trey is listening, he may have just drawn a blueprint for what he would like for Father's Day. <laughs> and I'll, but, well, now, I do like it, this part of your idea. I thought you were going a different road with that. If you have a guy that thinks he knows how to run, if you have a dad that thinks he knows how to run the grill a lot more than he actually does, is it okay to show up a little early with a, a nice bottle of whiskey and get him kind of too lubed up to grill? Yeah, that, that, is, a, that is an option as well. Yeah, if, like, it, even if... You know, like the, the the aforementioned ribs. You know, there are people that that out that really do enjoy the aspect of cooking and want that. But I, unless they're someone who really just gets their kicks off of spending all day at the grill, no one's going to turn down. Hey, let me take over for you today. I thought I'd be the one dancing the line of getting you in trouble. No, you're <laughs> the one that brought it up. The cat was already out of that bag. I thought I would be the one dancing back I just kicked back it down the forth. road a little bit. But, you know, my dad's always been a great griller. My dad's always had the grilling skill. Mine too. Always been, you know, it's very, the hardest thing for dad when dealing with the Traeger is keeping the lid shut. Because he wants to check on it. Yeah. You know, he thinks it's a charcoal grill. Charcoal yeah. grill, you, you know, it's open. Yeah. <laughs> You're just going for it. Yeah. I, no, it's one of the, the greatest things I can say about my dad is when I got to be an adult and I was living on my own and you start, grill, you know, growing up as the kid, you don't grill because your dad's got it. I never realized how hard grilling is to develop as a skill because my dad made it look so easy. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. I never really appreciated how good my dad was at grilling until I started having to do it for myself. Yeah. And after I started having to do it for myself, I'm like, holy cow, he he was he really made it look easy. So all that, very great. So one last thing, let's talk about EP Creo. We might as well hit one more cigar-related thing before we call it a night. Yeah, so we, another new release that came out this week is uh, EP Creo's new uh Pledge is what they're calling it. It's going to launch later this year. Now, EP Carrillo is a cigar company that we've actually talked about a lot lately, but typically I always go into how they're, they're not really in the news a whole lot. But, you know, back in 2014, they got number two cigar of the year with the La Astoria. 2018, they got cigar of the year with Encore. 
This is a this is a company that's not necessarily one that you need to sleep on. They are putting out some really high quality stuff. You know, I remember a lot of a lot of um, a lot of hubbub about the inch when it come out. Mm-hmm. The EP Creo, the inch Maduro. I actually inch. did like it. See, I didn't care for it. it I, I didn't see what all the fuss was about. So I think it suffered from the fact that it was kind of middle of the pack when the 6x60 train came rolling through. And so you had the Mayuzi weighs a ton, which was not quite the gold standard in that category, but was definitely what you measured other cigars against. And then you had uh, the the howitzer, which I know you like, but to me that was kind of like the the min- bare minimum uh, on a six by sixty. So the inch was just kind of somewhere in the middle. It wasn't right. good. It wasn't great. It was it was just kind of. And so I think that kind of hindered it a little bit. But I am a huge EP Carrillo fan. Well, and I will tell you, the Encore was excellent. It was. And, you know, and this is the guy that, that came up with the La Gloria Cubana, just FYI. So if that's a cigar you like, that's the palette that this guy is blending for. Just keep that in mind. So it's a Connecticut Havana Seed Raptor, an Ecuadorian Binder, and a Nicaraguan Filler. The first print first release will come in two box press sizes, 550 and 6x52, and then we don't have a price on them yet. I'm going to imagine in about the 12 to 14 range. Okay, so now that we're coming to the end of the show, how are you going to rank that cigar? Are you going to rank the Antonio brand? Or are you going to rank that cigar in particular? Because that's a cigar created by a unique set of circumstances may be here too unreplicable. So do you how do you point it? Do you put it do you rank it and put an ostrich? How do you do it? An ostrich? It's, it's like is an that ostrich. a star shaped ostrich? It's star <laughs> star shaped ostrich. Um, <laughs> you try to try to eat an ostrich egg. <laughs> it's a little pointy. Um, so here's what I'm gonna do. This particular cigar is a seven. Mm-hmm. The Antonio Dark Corojo on its own is probably about a six. Right. I'm going to give the entire Antonio Dark Corojo a six and a quarter for being, no, six and a half, for being capable of being elevated under the right circumstances. For aging well. Yeah. And I understand, you know, Sofia Vergara gets a lot of, a lot of, Extra points for aging well. There you go. And <laughs> all no, that's the Sofia Vergara of cigars. But um, the Antonio 1970s, perfect. Not as annoying to listen to, so yeah. even better. It's the Grand Console, the Shut the Box game. I'm excited that I have the Shut the Box game. I plan to win many cigars with it. Um, the it's just it's a it's a good solid workhorse stick. It's mm-hmm. gonna be a five and a half every time you smoke it. It's yeah. probably not gonna be a seven. It's definitely not going to be a three. It's always going to be a five and a half. It's always going to just be right there for you. It's dependable. Mm. It's trustworthy. Yeah. And I would vote for this cigar. I like it. Well, if you have any cigars that you want to vote for, you can get a hold of us. You like that? I don't usually transition like that. Info at thecigarcast.com, facebook.com slash thecigarcast, and Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. You know, it destroys a transition when you stop and announce that you transitioned. Oh, I was just so dang proud of myself. (laughs) Okay, well, don't, don't hurt yourself patting yourself on the back over there, but good job. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.